What's up, everyone? Today, we are taking a deep dive into programming and specifically going to talk about how to choose sets, reps, rest, and tempo. Yesterday, we spoke about exercise selection. Today, we're going into deeper program fundamentals. All right, if this is your first rodeo, my name's Yanni Bormeister, and across the table from me is Phil White, Switched On Physio. We're graced to have him in the pilot seat today uh, for this programming discussion. It's a very exciting time. Uh, we fought Rad off with big daggers and axes, and so uh, we're the, able... I'm in the front row. I look like a regular-sized human compared to you guys yeah. again. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's yeah, right. I'm like a big dog over here on the... Uh, in that front seat. For those of you uh, listening on the podcast, this is completely irrelevant. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm usually in the second row of chairs and with the fisheye lens, I look tiny. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Right on cue, the phone rings. Rad. Ruining the show even though he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, yeah, this this today is sort of um, uh, somewhat bringing in this program discussion uh, in for a landing. And uh, we... We've sort of prefaced this um, chat by talking about, you know, how to approach programming as a beginner, and uh, then yesterday started to move more into how to start selecting or progressing exercises to, you know, push through that first plateau that you usually will face at around the nine to twelve week mark. Initially, you know, we made it very clear that the very first win comes from consistency. And uh, for all newbies, it doesn't really matter so much the exercise selection it's r and, 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 you know, the programming fundamentals. Uh, it's more just about consistency, turning up, doing the work, and, uh, and building that habit. You get a... Um, uh, a, a really good result just from that. Um, there's a lot of data that suggests that, you know, just by doing push-ups, if you haven't done them before, you'll develop strength at about a 30% improvement uh, with no programming whatsoever, just, just repetition. So now we're going to talk about what happens once you've, you know, changed the exercises up and you're, you're still not sort of uh, getting a result. And this is really where... Um, things get a little bit fun when you're a program designer or a strength coach because you start to manipulate the sets, the reps, the rest, and the tempo. And uh, even for a physio, this is fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is uh, the nuts and bolts of what you're really trying to get as a physio is getting that load management right. So all of these variables we're talking about here is when we mentioned load management, like this is what we're talking about. This is, um, you know, all these uh, sets, reps, and, and especially the rest, I think, is an under sort of... Um, underrated yeah underappreciated underrated um, variable to just make sure you gain that load management right for not only for uh, I guess like overloading certain movements but also just making sure you're like overloading the mind in terms of technique around the exercise as well and that's something that I get a bit excited about so. absolutely and it's uh, it's interesting because we did tip on the super compensation effect uh, a couple of days ago which is the the body's adaptation process uh, after a stimulus, uh, a bout of uh, stimulus, a bout of exercise. You know, initially, immediately after the exercise, you, your strength and performance actually drops off as you fatigue the body and you cause that damage, metabolic damage to the body. And then the body goes into this sort of um, arc curve where it comes back to the, the the point at which you had given it the stimulus and then begins to go beyond that point where your strength and performance increases. And 
that curve eventually starts to um, uh, reverse and come back down. Uh, and the point at the peak of the curve is referred to as the supercompensation point. And that is usually, depending on the individual a little bit and depending on uh, how they're recovering and things like that, uh, is usually around 72 hours. And so we spoke earlier in the week about the fact that that's, from a macro standpoint, that's what recovery is all about. But today we're going to talk about how you can manipulate recovery in and of the workout itself, um, how, how doing different rest periods between sets and even reps can really elicit different responses in the body. Now, uh, we're not going to go super deep. We're going to try not yeah, to go super deep in this. We're yeah. going to reserve the really, really deep, complex stuff for the discussion afterwards when we go live to the online coaching group. So for all of you online coaching, uh, put your yeah, study can, caps on. Yeah, this can get kind of like infinitely complicated because you can like build sort of the perfect program for just in the gym. But then if you, you know, you have other sports or activities you want to achieve outside of the gym, especially that starts to get quite interesting about how you start to tweak these variables to make sure you're, um, I guess, building up your, um, your body in training, but then also performing at your peak outside of that. So if you have a, you know, a half marathon coming up or you're playing um, rugby every weekend or, um, you know, there's, there's so many ways that this starts to get really uh, interesting and, and, and fun to, to program for, but, but pretty complicated. So um, we'll do a really like good sort of fundamentals around how to do it with just the gym stuff in mind. But if you have that sort of deeper level complicated stuff, we'll probably have to leave that for today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or keep it for the online coaching. Absolutely. Now, before we before we go on, uh, I would like to give a quick shout out to everyone joining us live on the UMS Movement Mastermind private Facebook group. I know I can see we've got Lee Clements in here and we've got a couple of other people watching. Yep, so let us know. Promotion, is, That's yep. right. Yeah. Let us know who you are, where you're tuning in from. And uh, also for the guys listening on the podcast or watching the replay on YouTube, make sure you get yourself over to the Facebook group and join that group. It's, it's welcome for all who are willing to agree to abide by the code of conduct. We keep it very specific to what we're talking about. We keep it very specific to exercise. We boot you out very quickly if you start to talk about anything else because it's you know it's a very rapidly growing group we got over two and a half thousand people in there and we want to be able to see when someone is asking for help we do not want to have to scroll through a bunch of crap um to to to, to be able to give people coaching and it's a coaching uh forum so uh it's very important for us so yeah get yourself over there join in watch these live streamed you can see the ba behind the scenes of us making an absolute mess of these podcasts and uh <laughs> and uh see how big phil really is that's it <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first and foremost, what we do here at Unity Gym to keep things as simple as possible is that we follow what's called an undulating periodization model. Undulating between... And for those uh, who don't talk like Yanning, Yanni, we say undulating. Undulating, yeah, all right, all right. You just have like a really particular way of doing it and it kind of took me a while to be like, what are you talking about? Undulating <laughs> periodization model where we switch between high volume and high intensity and there is a, a, um, a an inverse relationship relationship between volume and intensity when you're training and it's quite obvious you can't lift heavy weights for lots of reps you can lift lighter weights for lots of reps and uh, it, it, and so there's this inverse relationship so the body responds very differently to very high intensity with low reps that's how we build strength and very high repetition well not very high rep but higher repetition higher volume and lower weights is generally 
the quicker way to hypertrophy a muscle and build endurance in the muscle. Yeah, and so I think it's kind of important to sort of frame, like kind of simplify and get the big picture idea, which is basically that you're, as we've talked about plenty of times before, your body gets good at what you spend your time doing. So if you only ever train sort of, you know, really low rep stuff, um, oh, sorry, really high rep stuff, it's unlikely that you'll actually, you know, if your goal is to get really strong, um, unless you train like uh, low rep movements, you, you're not going to be able to hit those big peaks if you're just doing low rep, uh, sorry, high rep sort of stuff. And the same thing if you, you know, if you're just doing sort of three rep maxes every week and then you, you try and do a strength endurance activity, um, you know, maybe like cycling up a hill, you're going to have a really hard time. You're going to be amazing on your first three, um, three pedals and then you're going to burn out really quickly. And so that comes from the different ways in which your body adapts to these different types of load. And that comes down to muscle fiber types. Um, which you've probably maybe heard of like colloquially like fast twitch and um, slow twitch muscle fibers. So that's kind of uh, one part of it. And there's also energy systems, which is about what your body's actually using as fuel. So it, whether or not you're in a kind of sugar burning phase or even a phosphocreatine burning phase, which is the immediate energy system and then sugar and then into an aerobic system, which is like your fat burning phase. So it's really important to understand that the reason why we're playing around with these different reps is to try and elicit these specific adaptations to what we're trying to achieve. And when we're talking about, um, you know, being, becoming strong, flexible and athletic at Unity, it's all about, I guess, becoming a balance of... Well-rounded. Yeah, well-rounded. Yeah. So you, you've got really great strength, but then you're also not just a, a powerlifter who gets puffed puff, walking up a hill. Yeah. You can also be athletic in that you can handle the, um, you know, higher rep range sort of stuff, cardio, in, like hit sort of yeah. exercise. Yeah. And before the, the powerlifters um, uh, shriek in disgust, uh, you can hypertrophy a muscle by doing very high intensity, but it's the volume overall, the total volume of a workout that really hypertrophies the muscle. So for the guys who are always training in the one to three RM rep range or even up to five RM, they still get huge, but their workouts generally last hours because they have a lot of rest between their sets and the overall volume that they bank in that workout may still come close to an hour bodybuilding workout with high volume sets, um, but they're only doing one to three reps, you know? So it, it, they, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that it doesn't matter whether you do one set of 10 or 10 sets of one, you'll still hypertrophy. The 10 sets of one, you'll build a lot more strength than the one set of 10, um, but you'll have to rest a lot between each of those singles and that blows out the workout. You can imagine that the one set of 10 will happen very quickly and, and, and you're done, you know? Yeah. So um, I don't want to, so any any of the, the, the strength trainers in here who really love their low rep ranges and high intensities, I don't want to sort of condemn you to a life of, um, you know, um, skinny frames. You are going to hypertrophy oh, yeah. doing that. Absolutely. And I prefer to train in those lower rep ranges myself. I think anyone with yeah. half, a, half a brain does because it's just a lot nicer. <laughs> Training for mus muscular hypertrophy, doing the sort of volume sets, training like a bodybuilder is horrendously uncomfortable. Which brings me to answer uh, Lee Clements's um, question here. So DOMS is good. Well, it really depends um, on what your training goals, you know, because DOMS is a good sign for someone who's trying to get swole and trying to grow. It's one of the three elements to muscular hypertrophy. You need to create metabolic damage to the tissue. But more recent research sort of indicates that the delayed onset muscle soreness that that, that um, Lee's referring to actually only comes from the eccentric contraction. So for a lot of 
strength training athletes that are really only focusing on the concentric contraction. Think, for instance, uh, people that are doing Olympic lifts. They don't lower the bar down slowly. They throw it up and then they drop it, you know. Uh, those guys are exposed to far less delayed onset muscle soreness than a bodybuilder who's really slowing down the eccentric contraction and, uh, and um, yeah, uh, sort of yeah, DOMS is a sign of basically the muscle with, when you're eccentrically contracting, so um, lengthening under load. Uh, it's it's basically the muscle fibers at a very sort of micro tiny level are getting little micro damage tears, um, and that sounds like a bad thing. And if you are you know you don't want to be muscle tearing, but if you're um, doing that in a controlled sort of way with the right sort of increase in load, um, that's exactly it's the stimulus that will like demand a response from the body and a repair from the body, which is then what makes you. Um, yeah, come back stronger come and, back and more. bigger and stronger. Yeah, b bigger. Like you'll get bigger muscles from doing that slowly. Like it doesn't happen just overnight and you have to <laughs> work yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, and it will also make you more resilient to that sort of eccentric loading, which is really, you know, an important thing for other sports where you do need to control the lowering. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So in, in, in essence, DOMS um, uh, is generally a good thing you know it's something that you will adapt to it's something that that is horrendously uncomfortable at first but becomes something you you sort of almost try to get as yeah. you get more and more experience like a mark of a successful workout. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right that's how we sort of um operate around here now lee is that w w you know if we're a bit stiff and sore after a workout it's like oh that was a good workout we it's because it becomes and, and anyone who's experienced who's got a training age of probably over about five or ten years will know that y it becomes quite hard to find a stimulus that really forces an adaptation you have to c continually one up on yourself and that is grueling at, at best you know like we start to throw in alex seabrook's going to get a good uh, good idea of this i don't know if he's on the stream at the moment but he's about to do my uh, well it's not it's mine it was it, it was yes that's right it was uh charles poliquin's um uh super accumulation program that i adopted and made work in unity gym um and he and charles poliquin didn't design it and make it up it, it, it came from one of his mentors and uh it's just, yeah, it's just an insane amount of volume squeezed into two weeks and then you spend five days eating and sleeping and, and recovering, you know. All right, so Lee's saying abs, lats in the past. Um, yeah, look, you get doms anywhere. Uh, it might, one of the best ones, if you ever do stair climbs on the way back down, you'll, you'll, we, we used to do insane amounts of stairs with weights loaded and your calves just are, are ruined after it. Yeah, and it and the important thing there is it's the going down there where you're controlling, um, you know, you're eccentrically contracting your, your calves and your quads you'll get it as well um, against gravity with extra load. That's classic sort of Dom's time. So Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, but we'll move on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dave, we'll get to your question in a second. Dave's asking um, uh, about flexibility training, which is um, which is a little mm -hmm. bit different and, and I'll explain why shortly. But first and foremost, what we want you guys to understand and take away from this is that the, the, after your exercise selection, the first variable or the second variable, let's say the first variable is exercise selection itself. The second variable that we want you to start experimenting with is, is volume and intensity. And it's a really, really great way, and I believe the best way to continually adapt for an all-round um, well-balanced person is to undulate between high intensity low reps to low intensity high reps and high reps for me is eight reps that's like 
that's an that's a, funny. yeah, that's plenty, <laughs> you know. But depending on how uh, experienced you are, if you're a beginner, high reps will be 15 reps, 12 to 15, you know. Yeah, which is like I. Which I think is a, a good thing in many ways because it's obviously you've got, I guess, a lower risk of when you're not confident with a weight. But the way I really like to coach high rep stuff with people who are new to an exercise is that often the hardest thing in, when you're new to an exercise is not necessarily the weight but the technique. Yep. And I find that, you know, I'm not sure if it's just me with a short attention span, but after about, you know, five, six reps, my mind starts to wander or you, you, you kind of start to lose like the real concentration around exactly what you're doing. So it's just so common that I see people who are um, new to exercise and it's a really common thing in physio, people just like, oh, you know, let's keep it safe in inverted commas um, by just giving them low reps at, and, and high, um, high, high reps at low weight. And by the end, like people have just lost interest and are so sloppy, just kind of getting through the reps for the sake of it, not actually doing really high quality stuff. So I'm often quite keen on, on lowering the rep range a little bit and even just bring it into, um, I was talking about this earlier in the week, but yeah, doing into like little micro sets within your, yeah, little within clusters. Your work. Yeah, little clusters. So um, say if you're doing uh, 12, um, 12 reps, which is, you know, still fairly high rep, then maybe doing, um, you know, three sets of four or four sets of, of three. And that way you can really keep your concentration for those threes, a little mental reset, count to three again, mental reset and because i think that getting that technique stuff right is so important at a low weight if you want to progress to a high weight yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and so the you know the the most sort of straightforward way that we do this when we're programming we break the program down into uh on the on the big um higher level it's a macro cycle on the macro level it makes sense on the smaller level it's called a mesocycle and that refers to a group of micro cycles which are usually always weeks at unity gym a micro cycle is a week it's a seven day period but it doesn't have to be you know it can it can be whatever you're programming for and it, it, it and the, the, the when these get really really specific is when you're training for a sport or an event and you've got a specified time period to prepare an athlete for then micro cycles mesocycles and macro cycles will be very much determined on the time frame that you've got to work in for us we we program over a year we we plan for our micro cycles are six months and uh, sorry our macro cycles are six months and then our micro our mesocycles are six weeks and our micro cycles are one week so that gives us a really nice period time frame to be able to work with our our uh, guys here we don't really call them athletes um, but I guess we sort of treat them like so uh, we turn driven people into athletes that's what we hope to do and um, and yeah that, that that works really well so the way that would look and we we I'm gonna keep this super simple because I, 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 I'll, I'll talk a little bit in more depth to the guys in the UMS online coaching because I don't want to overwhelm anyone who's sort of sitting on the outside wondering whether they want to take the the plunge into their own programming and program design keep it super simple stay consistent for the mesocycle that's the easiest way to do it so you might do a full mesocycle of volume training which is sort of anywhere between 8 to 12 repetitions depending on your your training age as your so training just a reminder for the mesocycle at 6 weeks in our example that's yep. exactly right yep so for for the whole 6 weeks you you're sticking to that 8 to 12 rep range uh, and then usually you would drop it and uh, to drop it for an intensification period for a new person, I really like the five to seven rep range. Uh, for a, a more experienced person, I really like the three to five rep range. Uh, anything below three, I keep 
to a minimum uh, just because purely because of the extreme intensity that it puts on the body. I like to say it's it's uh, competition rep range, you know, and not many people train unless they're doing sub maximal loading, um, which means that you're not lifting to your true one RM. You're kind of doing one RMs at your true two RM, and I'm going to do that today uh, for my for my training today. Uh, I'll be doing one reps uh, on the deadlift, but at my true um, two RM. Yeah, it's a way I really like to program, um, especially with sort of my physio patients, with which is basically getting them to do like lower rep range um so they can really keep that concentration on on doing the exercise right form and technique um but uh at a you know say doing their like five reps at their eight rm weight and that yep. way they can really control it feel confident they have a few reps left in the tank and it's a great way of um you know definitely getting stronger without um and, and keeping to the goal of you know strength rather than yep. going off into doing 15 rehab reps of yeah yeah that's right and and look the other the other variable that people don't take into consideration when that when they don't have a really good strength coach involved in their programming is the the cadence of the movement the t- uh, the tempo and the um, speed the travel the consistency you know when you're training for super like um, maximal strength or power uh, which is also referred to as speed strength it's very important how fast the, the object moves that you move or how fast your body moves. For maximal strength, you just overall brute strength, you want consistent speed. So they call it the bar speed or the, the, the dumbbell speed uh, throughout the entire set. You know, you don't necessarily want uh, the last rep to be a real grinder. It's not like muscular hypertrophy where you're taking yourself to full-on neurological failure or neuromuscular failure. In strength training, that's quite dangerous to do, you know, and, and it's quite a novice thing to do when you're still sort of figuring yourself out. Um, so what we usually look for in Unity Gym is for maximal strength periods, we're looking for a nice, even, consistent bar speed uh, throughout the entire set. And for um, speed strength for our athletes who are actually um, preparing for, you know, rugby on the weekend or, or, or soccer, football, uh, or maybe a throwing sport, we look for maximal velocity at the peak point. So the rep might not be uh, an even pace and the, the, um, the set might not be an even pace, but we're looking for the fastest point to be a maximum velocity. And I know that's getting a little bit technical, but what I want you guys to understand is the lesson here is that it's not just about grinding reps. I want you to be taking into consideration when you're doing those intensification phases in your training, which is the uh, for, a new, for a beginner five to seven reps or for an advanced person, three to five reps, then I want you to be thinking about how fast the barbell's moving. Is this a nice, consistent bar? Yeah, there's bar? a reason why there's tempo markings on, you know, with testing, people are probably more aware of tempo this week than um, than other weeks. Where, yeah, yeah, that's right. You think about actually how long a three-second eccentric is and how, um, you know, kind of controlled a, a one-second concentric is and then playing around with the pause at the top and pause at the bottom. Um, yeah, it's really important. Like, that stuff's there for a reason and you get different adaptations depending on how... Um, you go about it. so with one of the super accumulation exercises that um, as part of that insane program uh, you know that's got a, a six second eccentric is it five second five, five sec- second eccentric yeah, deadlift five eccentric eccentric um, part of the deadlift so that's in there for a reason because you're really trying to get maximum sort of doms maximum um, time under tension that muscle um, micro damage to elicit response whereas um, you could see that when you wanted if you were maybe training 
um, in the weeks leading up to uh, an event where you had to be really fresh, you'd maybe lower the eccentric component of it, maybe even adding a bit more of the sort of spring at the bottom of a rep for a squat, for example, trying to um, get your tendons that are um, you know, nice and springy and used to um, that stretch shortening cycle. And then you're gonna lessen the amount of um, pain you get from DOMS and you're gonna really work on, on the speed of the reps and that's gonna, uh, yeah, I guess, prime you to, to move fast with load. So that tempo reading is, there for a reason. It's, yeah, 100%. So and that's yeah. a great to- uh, that's a great um, conversation that Phil's just started there. So tomorrow I'm uh, scheduled to go and play 18 holes of golf with a, uh, with a couple of mates. And, uh, you know, today I'm going to be doing um, super heavy lifting, but I'm not going to be doing any eccentric work at all. I'm going to be basically focusing on the concentric of my deadlift, the concentric of a front squat, um, and I'm not going to slow the tempo down on the eccentric at all. I'm going to be doing bench press uh, today as well, and um, it's uh, bench is not so bad. But if I was to really overload my lower back and my posterior chain, there's zero chance that I'd be able to rotate in a golf swing tomorrow, and um, I'd stuff my day up. So the way I train today is going to be very specific to what I need to be able to do over the weekend, and. Uh, that's something that, you know, yeah, as you start to dive into this programming stuff, you start to think about, you know, if you if you do play sport on the weekend, then your training throughout the week should accommodate that. It should, it should um, uh, enhance that. It should optimize what you do on the weekend, you know. Yeah. 100%. And with the rest, um, we did talk a bit about it before with the macro sort of, you know, how many days between uh, exercise, but also the in the, within in between sets. Uh, I guess with the UMS program, um, there's the stretching component, which really helps people stick to the actual time of <laughs> of rest. I know it's been a big shift uh, for me when I was training in a powerlifting gym where they'd be pretty set with like the amount of rest, but you'd sort of sit in the couch, you'd chat to people, you'd sort of hang out. Whereas with the UMS, it's very efficient in using your rest period uh, for a stretch. But um, it was interesting watching you train the other day when you were doing the um, uh, the deadlifts, the 180 for five reps the other day, like eight you know, reps, eight reps, sorry, eight reps. Yeah, five sets of eight, five sets of eight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the rest variable suddenly becomes this like huge deal. Like sometimes you kind of don't think about when you're doing sort of sub maximal stuff, but when it comes to getting heavy like that, yeah, five minutes comes around real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I was I was literally taking five minutes rest between each set of eight reps, and. Uh, boy, it was only just enough. Yeah, I think the last set I took seven minutes. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have got it out otherwise. You yeah, know? so it's really important to understand that like for someone like Yanni, who's really pushing um, to you know, hit PBs, uh, if, you're just, if you're following really strictly um, the rest period set about by the, the UMS program, you might have um, a bit of a struggle, on, especially towards the last few sets to really um, you know, hit the... <laughs> Hit, hit your goals. So that's yep. an important thing to understand when you are programming for, um, you know, your peak weeks and when you're testing, that rest becomes like a huge part of it. It's very, very, very important. That's yeah. right. And that's why we also, during testing week, we don't combine the mobility or the flexibility training in between the sets. Also because of the issue that you've got, um, you're, you're doing upper and lower body strength testing on the same day, every day. So we save the flexibility tests for the end of the workout when you're nice and warm and limber and you're not gonna interfere with the performance of the strength tests. Um, and during the week uh, in, in the UMS online coaching, uh, during an, a regular micro cycle, we're always 
stretching areas of the body that don't interfere with the uh, the strength training of that day. And um, yeah, look, it's it's uh, it's. it's uh, I, I hope that we've covered, because I know we sort of went out into the reads a couple of times there, but I hope we covered sets, reps. We certainly did with our undulating periodization model. Uh, and we've covered rest on the macro, which is that 72-hour goal or benchmark to get super compensation effect right. But also on the on the smaller, the micro, there are a few things that we didn't talk about with rest. Basically, the longer the rest period um the the more the more recovery you get and the, the the better suited to high intensity training but the less the, the, it's funny there's there's a little bit of research to indicate that the the less rest you take between sets the more it sort of stimulates testosterone production and the more um the better it is for muscular hypertrophy for for a number of reasons but um yeah, once you start to drop below about 60, 45 to 60 seconds, I think it starts to really interfere with your ability to lift, um, to stay above that sort of 70% 1RM, which is where you get the right amount of stimulus. Yeah, so you can see here it's always a bit of a, you know, it's always about, always about specificity and, and it's a trade-off between um, different factors when you're choosing this. So that's why it does get sort of infinitely more interesting like complicated when you are looking at you know different sports or events you want to train for. for so for someone who's doing something like a tough mudder event where they're going to have to combine you know cardiovascular stuff with repeated sort of strength exercises and that's when you kind of think about you know pairing your um cardio with your strength and shortening rest periods of strength to get that sort of fast return of um because yeah it, it is all about your body adapting to what you've trained so uh but that's kind of, I think, beyond what we need to. What we want to talk about, yeah, yeah. I'm sort of starting to go into hormones and at the anabolic response, which upregulates when you have shorter rest periods. But the longer the rest period, the more neuromuscular recovery you get. So the heavier the load you can lift, and that's really all we want you to know about there. Yeah, so I think that hopefully should cover it pretty like a, a good overall sort of thing and see how, you know, it's good that someone else is making these decisions for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely like when I, you know, if I've been away from the gym and I'm having to tr- like schedule my own programming, it, it you can just get so sort of lost being like, oh, but I want this and I want this. And so yeah. having that bigger picture of, you know, fitting your plan into a year and then into smaller cycles um, and then into, you know, smaller cycles again and having a real plan behind it is just so key for that idea of periodization and progressive overload. Like you're yeah. only going to get past these sort of plateaus if you actually think about this stuff and you get it. Right. And it is so nice. It is so nice to have someone else do your programming. I try and get other people to do my programming even, you know, and it it, it just makes it so that you can just go into the gym and focus on what you're doing. Yeah, we were just talking about the other day how we were like, oh, it's just so nice sometimes just doing the classes here at the gym. Yeah, because you you don't don't have to think, think. you know, 100%, 100%. And I do that from time to time just to jump in with the guys and and it is really nice just to go through and, and do the set workout. Um, now, the last thing I want to talk about that really brings this programming in, and we'll do this very quick because we're out of time, is that you want to be recording this stuff. So you want to have a program card. We use Excel spreadsheets here at Unity Gym. We, we share them with our tribe in the online coaching. And you record your sets, your reps, your weight, because what gets recorded gets improved. You can you can analyze it, you can improve it, and you can track your progress really nicely. And, and the it's other- also such an interesting, like good resource for if an injury happens. Yeah. 
like if it's not even acute injuries it's it is kind of in, interesting but especially with those sort of niggly ones that, that come up out of nowhere like often you can just you know if you look back over the program and you think like okay there's where things have changed really quickly or um yeah it's 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 often when there's big sort of shifts in how you do things and really stressing different energy systems or stressing different um you know uh yeah, that's where it gets. So now, guys, we have quickly, to bring. We have to before we go. Okay. Dave Clark did ask a question about with flexibility. Oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, get to that. Okay, really quickly. We don't have Rad here, who's usually the timekeeper, <laughs> who would ke- who would have wrapped yeah, us up the just... five minutes ago. So Dave Clark saying, is one of these high rep lightweights or low rep heavyweight ranges better for flexibility? The answer straight up, mate, is neither of them are better. Uh, you want to still be undulating between this, but with flexibility training, the more you spend time in the position, it's arguably better because it's about the brain and the nervous system adapting and feeling strong and secure in that range of motion. And, uh, it's more just about consistency, frequency, and, and that sort of thing. If you think about, you know, with that kind of the, the brain trusting certain range of motion, um, you could probably see how it would be, uh, probably quite stressful if you suddenly go into uh, a heavy weighted like end range position and so often like if you kind of think about structuring get your exercises to gradually expose with first with you know lower weight and then if you are yep. wanting to stress a higher weight into that position then yeah build other weights and and i'll also argue that you do not need super heavy loads for stretching no. for flexibility yep. training uh, there, a lot of people really really get that uh, a little bit confused yeah uh, i see people um jefferson curling with you know and i've got friends who jefferson curl their own body weight you know and yeah. and, and i'm i i don't think it's necessary i don't think you need yeah, to go you, super, you can super get heavy such great results from you know doing it yeah arguably safer it's it, this is the thing it's risk it comes down to risk versus reward yep. and the reward is not anywhere near as yeah, good as like how risky it is Rad doing his van dam sort of you know splits across um uh two boxes and then holding a weight he's holding a five kilo weight like yeah this, that's exactly of. right exactly all right guys uh for those of you in the ums online coaching jump over to the online coaching group now we're gonna wrap this up and get the stream going over there and um for everyone else Remember, today we are launching the version two of the 18-minute stretching routine. It's very exciting. This has been our uh, amazingly our most successful program to date, the, uh, the original. This is an evolution of. So like we've been talking about here, progressing exercise selection, progressing loading variables, that's what this is about. Uh, for anyone who's enjoyed that original 18-minute stretch routine, you have to grab this. This is going to be a really great progression for you. For anyone else, it's still a great program. Rad did scale some of the movements back um, and demonstrate how a beginner can do them as well. Uh, I believe you should get both the programs because they're both amazing and they're both very different. Anyway, we'll see you all Monday, guys. Have a fantastic weekend for those of you in Australia. For everyone else around the world, enjoy Thursday and another working day tomorrow. (laughs) Take care health is about performance not just body image you better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there we'll start focusing on movement goals strength goals flexibility goals when you nail that skill it's there forever the body image goal doesn't get you that far. it's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there it's not the intensity
There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.